So later this morning, about 40 minutes from now, uh, Rachel Notley will be making a campaign announcement in Lethbridge. Uh, coming up at 11 o'clock this morning, Daniel Smith will be making a UCP campaign announcement in Edmonton. So the campaign has not stopped. Now, it's been paused in some different writings, and um, overall, things are definitely taking on a different tone. So what kind of an impact does something like this have on an election campaign? Could it derail the entire campaign? Could it actually postpone the election? Don't think so, but lots of questions to ask, so let's do it. We're going to speak with Dr. Lisa Young now, who we've had on the air uh, many, many times before. She's a trusted voice and valued advisor. She is a professor of political science at the University of Calgary. Uh, Lisa, thanks so much for joining us. I appreciate your time. Happy to be here. So to start, uh, and I've said this a few times on the show, I really want to applaud both Daniel Smith and Rachel Notley for how they've handled the emergency situation and only the emergency situation. I, <laughs> I, I want to put up some, some real guardrails here, making it clear that talking about this specific incident, the weekend, it's been kind of encouraging to see in the midst of all of you know what we fully understand is a really nasty campaign fight. They've set that aside and actually talked. They've They've been really grown up about this, Lisa. You know, when I saw the picture, I think it was on Sunday morning of the two of them sitting with the uh, uh, deputy minister of the executive council, you know, like adults, um, it it was so refreshing. It was like an oasis in the desert that is this election. I agree so much. Like, I didn't know if that was still possible, given the political climate. So to see it, it was kind of like, wow, this is okay. There is still hope. What goes into a moment like that, though? Because, you know, and I know um, both teams had a lot of discussion and a lot of conversation about whether or not that was something that they wanted to do. What do you think those conversations were like? Well, you know, I think the first thing to say is, and this is a really wonky political science point here, but it does tell us that the caretaker convention in Westminster politics is working. And we saw, you know, at the head of the table there, the most senior public servant in in, uh, Alberta, who I'm guessing, I'm speculating, convinced both parties that they should be at the table because it's his job to make sure that there's an you know, effective transition from the current government to whoever is elected uh, at the end of the month. And and so I think, you know, we, we need to give points to that convention and to the public service for making sure that, you know, there was space around the table for both of the possible premiers. And then I think we need to think about, you know, the decision-making on both parts. I think for Rachel Notley, it was probably a pretty easy decision. She wants to be seen as premier-in-waiting, so getting her picture taken there in the wood-paneled office around the table in a serious moment, it it was a win for her, right? For Smith, it was harder, I think, you know, because she had to share the the table, uh, in a sense, with her rival. But I think that in a moment like the emergency that we're currently in, there's more of a political downside in being seen to be partisan or petty um, to not reach out and invite Rachel Notley to the table under those circumstances could have blown up in Daniel Smith's face. So much as she might not have enjoyed doing it, I think it was the right thing for her to do, not just as premier, but as 
leader of a party in an election. This is the thing. We're in the middle of it. I mean, we, we're less than three weeks to voting day, and that's going to be a, a deciding factor in a lot of things that go on. Not to say, like, we, we're both giving them a lot of credit for the way they've handled the wildfire situation, but they still need to, to run an election campaign. Um, what are the politics of suspending a campaign? We've seen that uh, in a number of writings. I know it's happened before for different reasons. Um, this time we have both UCP and NDP candidates pausing their campaign. When they say we're pausing our campaign, what does that mean? They're still running, of course. Yeah, their names will presumably appear on the ballot, and there's a question of when the voting will take place, and maybe we can put a pin in that and come yeah. back to it. But they're, they're pausing their campaign. They're not going to be going out to events. They're not going to be going to you know evacuation centers and shaking hands and handing out brochures, right? Because that would be uh, inappropriate and also sort of political suicide, right? Mm. So... You know, and in the grand scheme of things, to say that you're suspending a campaign, it, it does make a difference when we think about, you know, efforts to knock on doors and get out the vote and so on. But we also know that most of what decides how people are going to vote has to do with the broader provincial campaign that's going on. People say, you know, I want to vote for the UCP yeah, or I want yeah. to vote for the NDP. And whether someone has knocked on their door or not doesn't necessarily matter and most of the uh, ridings where this is where the the campaigns are being suspended are not likely to be close so you know it's the right thing to do but i'm not sure that it's going to make a huge impact on the outcome of the election from that point of view um and 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 the thing we stuck a pin in because i think it's important and i'm getting a lot of texts and people saying hey listen maybe we should um maybe we should postpone the election at this point i don't think there's uh, any chance unless things dramatically escalate over the coming weeks. That's not even on anybody's radar right now, is it, Lisa? No, and I think it's not legally possible, except under the most extraordinary circumstances. So what the Elections Act does is it says if there's an emergency and the chief electoral officer can't deal with that emergency by using special ballots or moving a polling station or something like that, he can go to a judge and ask for the vote in that one uh, electoral district to be postponed until a later date. And then the judge says yes or no to that request. So for the whole election to be postponed, the chief electoral officer would have to convince a judge that it was impossible to run the voting system, right? The, right, you know, yeah. where we all show up to vote in every single constituency across the province on May the 29th. Um, and I think that the, you know, the, the bar for that would be set really high. The reason that the chief electoral officer doesn't have that authority independently is because we want to protect elections from interference, right? That we don't want a government that's in trouble pressuring the chief electoral officer right. to say, hey, give us an extra month or something, right? So there's that extra level of scrutiny. And I don't think that judges would be inclined to say thumbs up to that across the board unless we were dealing with something that's just unimaginable, um, you know, in, in many respects. I mean, maybe if it was the first week of the COVID-19 pandemic and we didn't know how to cope with the situation, that might have been a circumstance possibly that would have uh, allowed something like this. 
But for wildfires in specific areas in the province, I can't imagine uh, the CEO or a judge going forward with that. Uh, yeah, I think you're absolutely right on that front. Um, like we said, uh, off to a good start for both of them in terms of how to handle this in the midst of an election campaign the first weekend. I think they both probably scored some points for their particular campaigns. Going forward, um, and I understand this is distasteful if you're somebody who's been evacuated and you're sort of, we're looking at it with a cold, calculated political eye, but and that's the reality of where we are if you're running these campaigns right now. This presents an opportunity for both of them, particularly Danielle Smith, right? I mean, crises make or break leadership in a lot of cases. Handle this right, and it could really help her at the polls in three weeks. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things that Danielle Smith has struggled with uh, since she uh, became party leader uh, has been questions of trust and also really fully inhabiting that premier's role. Um, She came into it through a, you know, an unusual route and she hasn't always looked entirely comfortable in it. So, you know, if we think about political leaders whose reputations were made in a crisis, I mean, think about Nenshi during the the floods uh, in Calgary. Um, You know, he, he certainly created a brand for himself based on on that yeah so smith potentially could do that but it's hard to do during an election because what you know i think what won many people over with nenshi was that he did nothing for you know 36 hours at a time but deal with the emergency situation i mean remember when we were all on twitter you know with hashtag nap for nenshi right yeah it was throwing himself in in this wholehearted way and to do that in the middle of an election campaign really means that you're not doing any of the other things that you have to do as a party leader, right? So she can certainly look like a premier, you know, she can exude, you know, empathy and, and, you know, a sense that the situation is under control and the government is there for the people who are affected. But I'm not sure that during an election campaign is a moment where you can really change your personal brand so markedly um, just because of the competing demands on time. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you are running a campaign at the same time. Excellent point. Um, On the other side, you've got Rachel Notley, who doesn't come into this without some of her own baggage surrounding 2016, and um, there's a lot of people that are critical of the way that was played out in a lot of ways. And at the same time, she also has to be really careful about I would imagine you don't want to be seen as sitting on the sidelines and 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 sniping, right? You want to be, you can't be overly negative. So, how does she? What's at risk for her uh, with this unfolding over the next? Well, I would say at least three weeks. Yeah, I mean, I think you know she has to say over and over again that you know her her heart is with the people who are affected, who are evacuated. She can't be seen to be making politics uh, with this. And she needs to continue her campaign, you know, sort of with a nod in this direction every time. But I think you're exactly right that sniping would be uh, would not get her anywhere no. um, and, and could, in fact, hurt her chances. Is there a risk to being too invested in the campaign? Like you say, they have to be. I mean, there is an election going on. We're going to the polls on the 29th. I think that's a foregone conclusion. So um, you you can't be seen as neglecting this, right? I mean, Daniel Smith already got in a lot of trouble for that on Saturday for going to Mickey Amory's fundraiser in Calgary before she declared the state of emergency. I mean, you got to make sure your priorities are clearly communicated, I guess, is the way to put it. 
Yeah, and and I think it's so much more difficult for Smith than it is for Notley um, because Smith is now legitimately pulled in two directions and has to make judgment calls all day long about where she should be. And, you know, there are are many potential traps there that she can fall into um, by making the wrong call. And, you know, I, I think there are dangers there for her. And and there's another danger here that I think is worth pointing out, and that is with the debate coming up. And Rachel Notley has, you know, been in many leaders' debates before. She's ready, right? Um, Whereas Smith, I mean, she has been in leaders' debates, but not as the premier, not, you know, and we've certainly seen her struggling a bit with opportunities to speak off the cuff. And so I would imagine that the plan that her campaign had was for some pretty intense uh, debate preparation over the next number of weeks before, well, I guess we're down to a week and a half now um, before the debate. And because of the many demands on her time now, it's going to be harder to fit in that debate prep. And, And I just wonder whether that's going to affect her performance. Now, it could be that she can walk in as the you know, leader in an emergency and, and will have a sense of gravitas because of that, but it's also possible that she will be tired and underprepared and make mistakes. Yeah, really good point. I didn't even consider that. You're absolutely right. There's a lot going on without uh, a provincial state of emergency in effect when you're running <laughs> yeah. a campaign to be premier. So you're right. The demands are, are absolutely extraordinary. Um, Dr. Young, thank you so much for being here today. I do appreciate your time.